Welcome to the OCRWC podcast. Today I'm joined by Danish athlete Ida Mathilde Steensgaard, fresh from her tour of the US. In this episode, we discuss the pro semi-pro life, racing in Europe versus the US, and her goals for the upcoming year. Hey, Ida, thank you for joining me on the OCRWC podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, I'm really excited for this. <laughs> I'm glad to have you on. It's, uh, I've been watching you for the last, well, last year and the beginning of this year, and you just keep getting better and better. So I think after you coming back from the States, this is a really good time to catch up and chat. So thank you for making the time. Of course, of course. And yes, I mean, uh, just returned from three weeks in US, US and uh, I had... I had so much fun over there. It was hard racing four races in three weeks. That was maybe a little bit ambitious. Uh, but uh, all in all, I'm just filled with like really good, uh, like experiences and kind of a good way to kick off the season. Um, mm. to be able to go compete is always uh, a thing I really wanted now after a lot of years competing a lot in Europe to actually also uh, compete more against uh, the Americans and the Canadians and especially all people in North America because uh, those guys are also really impressive athletes and yeah. it's the uh, con- contest it's the um, competitors um that I am competing against at the OCR World Championships so it's kind of nice to meet them you know yeah. just a bit more than that single time at the OCR World <laughs> Championships <laughs> so uh yeah I-, I think it's really great that you managed to get over because I think a lot of people in the US and Canada kind of forget the heritage of OCR in Europe and the kind of races we have over here. Mm-hmm, you know, people sure. have made comments that when the Worlds was in the UK, it didn't really count because a lot of the Americans weren't there and were like, guys, it counted. We've got yeah. good races here. So you kind yeah. of went over and you're like, hey. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that is true. And it's, it is it is a bit... um Sad. I wish, you know, that the people from North America and Europe kind of meet each other more often. It's a bit sad that, you know, the big travel makes like kind of a little barrier that more people don't go forth and back because there are so many really hardcore European athletes uh, over here. So it's really cool when we have these events, for example, like the World Championships where we meet, but sometimes it's also cool to maybe meet each other a bit more so that's also one of the reasons why I really wanted to go to US just to see you know we're actually doing quite well in Europe now I just want the Americans to come to Europe and try some of our races so I'm hoping I can convince uh, some of them yeah to come visit I think I think we're more prone to travel aren't we in Europe yeah so it's we're, we're much more keen to go over and see things even you know races from the UK who perhaps haven't got the kind of heritage that you have, we're still going to go over and just be like, well, this is fun. But talking about worlds and talking about travel, you and Leon are, correct me if I'm wrong, you're the kind of the only ones who did both London and Vermont, weren't you? Because you managed to get over to mm. OCRWC last year. Yeah, it's true. Yes, I I'm pretty sure we must be some of the only ones that actually made it. There were from Europe. Uh, yeah. Yes, exactly from Europe. Um, we had there was um. No, I no maybe it is true. Yeah, I was thinking there was uh, the one guy from Russia, but I'm actually in in doubt if he actually did the London one. So um, we probably are yes. 
So we are very experienced. We know we know it all. <laughs> so what did you think comparing the two events? Because they are so different. You know, we had Ohio and then Canada was very, very, well, it was very warm, wasn't it, the first year? And then mm-hmm. very wet the second year, but very mountainous. And then Europe, well, London, which was very warm the first year and very wet the second year, but very flat. Yeah. And then we've yeah. had the first year of Vermont, which is again very mountainous. What was yes. your kind of opinion of the difference of the races? I mean, um, I I think the terrain should be kind of a mix of you know having the flatter parts where you can like be fast, but also having some of the more mountainous uh, parts. I think. Um, you know, if I should uh, talk about the more selfish version, I like the flatter more, but that's also because a lot of the European races that I do are more flatter because we don't have as many mountains everywhere, um, around, but it's also, I really love the challenge of the mountain courses. It's kind of adds this extra element of just being in, in pain and, and, and adds the extra element of it, like the obstacles just being much more demanding. Uh, once you kind of uh, had done, have done a huge climb, for example. So the courses were quite different. So, um, I, I liked in Vermont because it had this kind of flatter part towards the end, for example, for the free case. So it actually started with a very steep, long climb, and then you had to do some obstacle on the top and then like a really fast descent. But then it also ended up like flattening out for actually like a good amount of like maybe one of the three kilometers where there was just like tons of obstacles, which I think that was my favorite part of the course, <laughs> but I actually like the full element of, you know, grinding up and really, you know, getting that just a total burnout of your legs and then oh, doing the obstacles. <laughs> I think the obstacles that I did uh, most, uh, no, not most ugly is the wrong way to put it, but like least <laughs> efficient was the two at the top because doing such a short race and still having like quite a big climb really demanded you just to go on out really really hard mm-hmm. and and doing those obstacles at the top were really demanding so um but also a really really good challenge so i i like the way that we did it there oh it just it looked horrible having that climb immediately like i know for me i suck at running anyway but i need a quite a long time to warm up so if mm-hmm. it was immediately mm-hmm. hill i'd just be like yeah i'm done <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so it was a bit it was a bit hardcore just starting with this big climb and even doing like hurdles you know up the hill um or the mountain it, I'm, I'm used to saying hills because that's what we operate with <laughs> here in Denmark <laughs> so uh so uh, mountains uh we see a bit less but it was it was also a really beautiful um location like I really liked the mm-hmm. Stratton Mountain Resort it was really cute and just like lots of cool little shops and a really good just event area down you know by the main uh yeah main event area is i guess is what you would call it and it was just had a really good atmosphere and things were like gathered together and there was the 100 meter course also so um so i think it turned out really good so i'm really excited for coming back <laughs> this year yeah and running uh back in some mountains again <laughs> Now, talking, obviously talking about racing, Lindsay has recently announced that she's possibly stepping out of OCR. She released her potential calendar and the Worlds was a a potential race that she may be doing. I mean, mm. if it was me, I don't think I could resist doing it. But no. what's your feeling thinking that she may or may not race? I mean, 
Um, I would want her to be there because she's always been like one of my like both like a big inspiration for me, but also one of the competitors I love competing against because she's super super fast. Like her running is just at a, a next level, but she's also not as fast as me on the obstacles. So we've kind of had some good ba- battles uh, sometimes because I can kind of catch her a bit when the obstacles becomes more uh, demanding. So I would love racing her. I feel like she's a great competitor. She's really you know positive on the course, and I have a feeling. Mm-hmm. that she will be there. I, I am preparing for her to be there, you know. Yeah. I, I would be uh, very I, surprised if she wasn't. It's a good exactly. weekend for her. Exactly. I feel I feel so too. And I, I'm pretty sure that we're going to see her there. So, uh, And I'm also hoping to see, uh, you know, some more of the American athletes who's been injured. For example, you know, Nicole Miracle yeah. is also a great really competitor. I am followed her, you know, rehab journey. And I'm super excited to see how she's uh, going to, you know, get into the season when she's starting to get back here uh, doing the uh, North American Championship Series. Mm-hmm. I think she's doing the next race for one of the first ones. So that's also going to be exciting. Um, yeah. And then, of course, also when all the Europeans are going to come and have fun, uh, we have a lot of great competitors. So mm-hmm. uh, I also think there might be a surprise or two within the the women's field that we might not have seen on the podium before. We might Do you think? See. Yes, I think the only problem right now with uh with one of these persons I have in mind is that um there is some things going on over in Europe right now which is maybe hindering these people for being able to participate um because of the war that's going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a few competitors that are a bit limited by that. So I'm hoping that's not going to be a problem at the time <laughs> for the the world championships. Yeah, it, it would be certainly nice to see more Europeans. I mean, it was great to have you guys over. And even mm. with just the tiny amount of, of European contingent, we still saw not a complete US sweep on the podium. So it's like, mm. guys... See, see, <laughs> exactly, yeah. There is that was actually exactly that was uh that was really cool to see. I'm mean, also really happy, you know, uh, was able to represent Europe a bit yeah. <laughs> by uh, me and Leanne coming over. <laughs> yeah, you've just mentioned a lot, you know, the women that you love to race against. Is there anyone that you fear seeing on the starting line? Anyone that you're like, oh, this is gonna be this is gonna be scary to race against these people. Mm. I would say that the person I'm probably most scared of, if I have to turn, I I never like I, I scared is maybe the wrong word it's for me. It's always word. like yeah, yeah. But I mean, um, when Nicole was kind of at her, you know, peak, because she's also one of the very fast runners who's also working a lot of obstacle efficiency. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's always for me, like the ideal combination is you being a really fast runner, but also being extremely efficient at the obstacles, even though you're operating with either a really, really high pulse or some really tired leg from some mm-hmm. uphill hard climbs. Um, so for sure, you know, seeing her, especially at the 3K race, because we're both if like really loving the shorter distance that's it's it's kind of it's always been my goal every year going into those your world championships to do best in the shorter distance one even though i 
somehow always do quite good in the 15k, <laughs> which I don't know why uh, that's that's just great, but it's often like the free K that's really my main focus. And it's going to be the same for this year, that it's going to be the free K. Um, so I'm really excited to see where she's at um, for sure. Um, so she's probably, and then there is um, the girl that I didn't uh, mention by name before, but Alicia who's from mm. Russia, and um, I know her really well, and she's an extremely nice person, but she's a very fierce competitor, yeah. and they have some really hardcore obstacle, both facilities, but also races in Russia that are very, you know, technical demanding, so she knows how to do obstacles really well. So mm. she's definitely, if she's going to show up, she's definitely going to be a very good competitor, because she's good at climbing, and she's good at running. She's always been super efficient in that so i'm excited to see if she's gonna show up or not i hope for her because i think she deserves to be there because she's yeah. uh, one of the best in europe right now for sure i hope so yeah I mean, that's a, that's the big thing between the big main difference between spartan and worlds is the obstacles i think in the uk we've mm. got some incredible runners mm. but sometimes mm. they fall back a little bit on obstacle proficiency and that's okay mm. at spartan because you can mm. make up for it but it's not okay at worlds no so it's, it's 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 that's a huge difference in racing already so that's when you kind of i don't want to say you sort the wheat from the chaff because you don't you no. you get a different type of racer exactly for sure and that also makes sense because you know i have kind of a one over a lot of different competitors at Worlds that, you know, has uh, kicked my butt, to be honest, in a Spartan race, <laughs> you know, right with, with like several minutes because they've been so fast. But then on Worlds, they have not at all been able to keep up with me because I'm so efficient on the obstacles. Yes. But that's also a lot what I work on. That's also why I really like the OCR World Championships. And I also feel like it's important for OCR that... that of course, I don't like when there are these like stopper obstacles that are so hard that no one kind of can go. Or if you put 10 ricks next to each other, I feel like that's, I still want it to be a race, which is a yes. really important point. I still want you to come into the obstacles with a high pulse, taking a risk and that you being good at working on these obstacles with a high pulse. And if you are really strong to have a good technique, then you can actually win a lot of time on this. Mm. I feel like that's where the really good competition is. And that's mm. what I really feel like those Euro World Championships has done so well for a long time to have this combination of it still being a race because everybody can put up a super tough court course and just race after yep. each other and then nobody can complete it. And I mean, you know, it's just... I want it, you know, I want to race when I go at an obstacle course. I don't want to walk between the obstacles and, you know, shake my underarms and be like, oh, I have to be ready for the next one. Then it's not a race for me if it takes me four hours to complete a 15K course, you know, that doesn't make sense. So I still want it to be a race, but but making the obstacles in a certain, you know, demanding level um, that, I, that I really like. One thing I don't have seen with in general obstacle like development the last recent years is there's been a lot of focus on developing the technical obstacles where sometimes I feel like I would like to see more also maybe just having many more walls from like maybe a lot of speed obstacles or maybe a bit heavier carries or like some of more strength demanding obstacles mm -hmm. because having these heavy carries is also something that can really you know um be 
super crushing for somebody that's maybe, you know, only training running and, and rig yeah. training, you know. So it's kind of, yeah, doing this mix that kind of, you know, favors the all around uh, athlete. Um, so, but I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting sport and that's what I love about it is always new challenges and new mm. ways to kind of define itself. So, uh, it's just a part of the, of the journey. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, I mean, I completely agree with you. And this is something I say all the time because there are a lot of critics who say, oh, the world is too easy and mm. you should, mm. um, you shouldn't change obstacles if you find, mm. you know, with, it happened with Sabretooth, it happened with Canyon last mm. year where mm. it was adapted for the next day, which mm. I think is 100% the right thing to do. Mm. But it's, it's, it would be so easy to make yeah. a killer course that no one can do. Making a course that's a challenge for the pros mm. and the mm. open runners, is, mm. I think that's really difficult. And there's always a lot of talk about new obstacles, where to place mm. obstacles, what to do with them, and kind of getting the mm. right balance. Uh, I would kind of wish that it would be possible to see a differentiation between like age group and open heats and then the elite heat. I wouldn't be, you know, offended when back when I was running age group, if the rigs, for example, were harder for the elite or if they had two carries instead of one for like the carry rounds or something, yeah. actually making it a bit harder for the elite heats, because I can really understand it must be super hard to be a race arranger and then do a course that's hard for the elite, but also have to be somehow like have a success yeah. level also for, for the age group racers and, um, and for the people that does the open heats to kind of, you know, work a bit with some, you know, um, just a little. But I also know it's a big arrangement. There's a lot of things going well, on. That's the thing. Uh, I guess the most of it yeah. comes down to logistics and, and cost exactly. and time and how, how exactly. you would fit that in to change things up. But it's an Definitely. interesting concept, for sure. Yes, exactly. Because sometimes I've, I have thought like, okay, of course, I can understand my part. But then also I was like, maybe, you know, you can just like, when you have like big rigs, like to change in one or two things, or maybe just take down one extra bar that helps you with something, or just like changing it up to to make it a little bit harder. Uh, because I think that could maybe make it easier for the race directors not to be afraid to maybe put up a course that's you know too too hard. Because lots of lots of the least, I feel like the level we were at at Vermont last year was good mm -hmm. i could see it being a little harder it was like very hard at the london and then it like got a little easier but like somewhere in between those two is where maybe i would see the ideal uh, um toughness of you know the courses but yeah i can say that because i'm a pro and i do obstacles all the time and maybe things uh, are easier for me and i've also started even though people think when they look at me I've always been good at this for a long time I started in the age groups in the start I started mm. not being super fit and I also know the feeling of how you know if you just had that one obstacle you can't do it can be so annoying you know and can yeah. be with you for a long time and then just trying to focus on all the other things you actually have done really really good and like the positive things has what changed it a bit for me uh, after some time to being able you know and then use you know the input you get from those obstacles you might fail to build on um but but yeah i could see i can't see how also when the level is getting harder like higher and higher within the pros it's also hard to to build a mm. course that you know challenges them uh, enough, but still is, you know, a good all around course for, for, 
for everyone. all the age groups. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's it's good feedback. You know, you need to hear from everyone. Everyone takes part. Everyone is part of the event. And it's, mm-hmm. I always say this as well. OCR is a very, very young sport. Yeah, um, it's not it been is. around for long. It's still mm-hmm. finding its feet. Uh, mm. It's not going to be perfect. And every event is always going to have a little something that's not quite right. So mm. it's always good to hear feedback about how people want to develop the sport and what they want to mm. see it happening going forward. Yeah, it was just one thing I thought of, for example, you know, last year when we had the free k course, it was like right after the age group races and we were starting, the pros were starting a little bit late. It wasn't a lot, one o'clock. And I was actually thinking after that course, and I don't know if it was because we had to prep for the 15K, that it could be scooched like an hour or two. So we were actually sure everybody was in and then people that were excited in actually seeing the elite heats could, you know, Mm. stay and you know watch the elite heats if that's what you want to do um so you maybe like had a bit more gap in between um Mm. those that could make it Mm, yeah maybe a possibility i know for the 15k is harder because it's a longer course um Mm. for sure i know it's not easy i know (laughs) i'm just trying to think of how uh yeah you could just or maybe making sure like the whole male elite heat was done before the females i know there's something with timing but maybe just putting in a bit more buffer having a bit more leeway to allow yeah because if i'm racing in the afternoon if i'm racing at one or at three o'clock it doesn't really matter you know it's still late so if i'm not racing in the morning then if i'm racing later you know it doesn't matter when it's yeah as long as um, you know so then you can prepare because i can imagine if you go i'm racing at one and then you actually don't race until two well, I've warmed mm. up and I've taken my, yes, you know, pre-workout or whatever Pre- it is you do. My you, Red Bull, you, you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> your Red Bull. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is that. a problem. And that actually ha- that happened a little bit this year. Mm. Um. So, uh, but I mean, yeah. So, so more, I would rather that there's a bit more buffer and then I'm yeah. sure exactly, you know, when I'm starting for yeah. sure. Well, I'll, I'll say one thing about Adrian. He does invite feedback. So I'm sure he'll listen I know, to this and be I like, know. And cool, he, I okay. mean, he does an amazing job. I mean, that's also what I'm saying. All these things are like smaller things because like between it all, it all, all the obstacle races, I, I still love OCR World Championships the most. And that's because Aww. I feel like you have that like really nice combination of making the running really important, but also making the obstacles really important. And it's really hard to find, you know, it's uh, not, (laughs) it sounds wrong, but it's like, it's, it It is is. hard as a race director to find that like really, really ideal point. And you also develop a lot of new obstacles, which is a good thing. So people don't get really used to just doing the same and the same. There's something really good about standard, decision but when it's the world championships i also feel like you also have to challenge the part of the athlete that is you know adapting you know mm. to like newer obstacles and just yeah figuring out how to solve you know the obstacle yeah this i mean this is a big conversation regarding the future mm. of ocr you know whether it mm. should be standardized or whether it shouldn't be mm. i mean mm. again that's kind of a thing between spartan and world spartan tends mm. to be a lot more mm. standardized and completely yeah. makes sense to have worldwide races. It needs to be. Yeah. And Worlds yeah. tries to introduce new things every year. But that's that's a big conversation about how the sport is going to develop going forward. How is it's, that going to work? It's just funny. There is so much discussion about obstacle standardization, but then the terrain is allowed to vary 
I think more than anything yeah. else in the different races. And that is still the biggest factor. It is still a running event. So mm-hmm. like your running capabilities of either doing a mountain race or a totally flat muddy race, it's kind of different skill set. I mean, yeah. it's still, you know, running. So, but there is a lot of adaptations there and doing obstacles efficiently and like building the strength of this is something you can learn, you know, within a recent amount of time. But, you know, learning to be a mountain runner from one day to the other is just like nothing like it's, yeah. I mean, it's not that's something my, I will ever be able to do. I'm, I would that, never be a mountain runner, no matter how much no, I tried. Yeah. So that's like, so, so, so varying the terrain so much is sometimes what I see. I would want to be a little more standardized. Also, like the distances, sometimes people like having a, uh, 15 course but then oops it was 19 it's like oh, that makes like a big difference in my race yeah. plan and when i'm gonna do the different hydrations and things like that so um but but it's just funny because that thing is kind of like it's normal we can vary the terrain you know <laughs> how much we want but then the obstacles if we just change it a little bit then ooh, you know it gets yeah, i'm just a bit i'm just a bit excited and i curious is the word i was looking for for why it is you know like that mm. but yeah that's yeah. um it's, it's interesting because we do i don't know if you know about the rankings that we do with the world championships we do our own mm. type and we have a committee and yes, they're actually starting sure. up again in the next Ooh, couple of weeks that's nice yes i remember those they're great <laughs> yeah and one of the things we do obviously we look mm. at all races it's not just one mm. type of race but one of the things we do is it's having the knowledge of the different courses. So rather than mm. going, oh, so-and-so raced, raced at this Spartan race this weekend, mm. but so-and-so also raced at this Spartan race this weekend, and they both came mm. first. Mm. And we go, mm. well, well, actually, I know that this race is technical and hilly, and mm. and it's kind of mm. judging the two events against each other based on how they are rather than just... So it's, mm. it, it does make a huge, huge difference, and there's a reason why. I mean, there was a whole conversation after the last big Spartan event where VJ came first and Ryan was mm. saying oh it was it was too easy mm. it makes a massive difference doesn't it it's uh it's an interesting point do you I mean talking about all this do you think there's anything that holds OCR back as a sport and stops it from developing mm. yeah the, the, yeah the thing is actually talking about standardization standardization i have a hard time saying that (laughs) word it's one thing that just make it much more easier if you have a sport where things are more standardized but it's also like a part of the charm with ocr Mm -hmm. and what we love so much that the courses are different and there are all these things that are different but actually traveling to us and coming over there and like the two big series they have is like spartan race and savage race so like those are like Mm -hmm. the obstacles and like the courses to train for and like all the competition is kind of gathered one place and i was actually a little you know thinking about europe because i love racing here but here we also have like a lot of different race directors Mm -hmm. that kind of have all their specific um way of you know um how do you say it? They kind of, you know, how they see an obstacle race is, yes. you know, like this. Uh, so you have like the OCR series under Strong Viking. You have the toughest series. You have Naughty Race in Denmark. You have Spartan over here, but you also have Spartan UK. Yes. And then you have like the Spartan in Spain and the Spartan like Middle Europe. And and, and even within the Spartans, there mm-hmm. are, you know, small differences. So it's a lot of adapting to the different race series here in Europe because... Mm-hmm. None of them are like very much alike, but they're still a little bit alike. I also feel like that's one of the difference between European 
athletes where we maybe that's maybe why why we're a little better at obstacles because we have such a big variety of races we have to adapt to and we have so many different obstacles and you know when you do a race for the first time and you've never seen the obstacles in this race you kind of have to you know just get a little bit used to it so it helps you you know when you've done a race once you know so the next time it becomes easier and easier because it's a little bit of you know the same obstacles in the different series um so both as much as I love and hate standardization, it's sometimes a bit, it would be a bit easier if things were just, because sometimes you also feel like, oh, I have to train for mountains. I have to train for flat. I have to train really many obstacles. I have to train less obstacles. Like, ah, you know, how do you find that, you know, perfect fit? And I always, if I have really hard race series, I have to kind of tune in on that race series before mm-hmm. I go to it and practice a little bit of the obstacles. I know, for example, spear, I never really do spear because I haven't done spear. Mm. I had to practice the spear a lot, you know, and that's just <laughs> something that's a it's bit, you know, a unique. Obstacle. <laughs> yes, yes. Just say it honestly. It's, it's great. Quite I mean, I love it, obstacle. but I'm, I'm terrible at it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's these things. So, so probably the lack of standardization is holding back OCR, mm. but it's also one thing you have to remember, even though how much you want a sport to be a part of Olympics and be standardized and having lots of money in it. It's also, I still tr- try to remember when I think about it, that I also like this process of also that it's still, you know, a new sport. There's still a possibility for you mm. to give inputs on how to develop it. And there's still not so much money in it that there's like loads mm. of uh, doping controls. And all. I mean, there's just like so much, um, you know, it just becomes a lot of like power games when sports begins like really big, yeah. you know, you can still enjoy it. And we have a lot of people like me, people maybe see me as pro, but I, sometimes I also see myself as like semi pro because I still have a little bit of work. I still want to do this a lot and I do, you know, whatever I can to live, but it's still a sport with an amount of money in it. That's just not big enough for me to, when I'm, you know, retiring my athletic career then I can live the rest of my life you know having a good time (laughs) I am not able I have to be you know go back to working or finding something else you know that I have to do um after it so yeah that was maybe a little detour on like you know (laughs) you know something I actually wanted Um, to ask you about because I was talking to a friend about you a couple of weeks ago and I said that you are semi-pro so as far as I was concerned you race professionally but you also still work elsewhere and she was like yeah. no Ida's Ida's pro and I was like really I, I didn't yeah know. I thought she was I thought she had a job elsewhere so to yeah I, I think a lot of people do see you as I race yeah. only and this is my only job but you have yeah. to tie in racing traveling training mm. and mm. work mm-hmm. how does that work well, it is a lot of scheduling, you know, and planning <laughs> out my days. And there is actually, yeah, um, so it is true that I tried to be professional because I quit my old job. I had like a position in 2019 where I worked 70% of a full-time job. That mm-hmm. was when the World Championships was in London. And then I wanted for 2020, you know, to go pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I did that for three months and then COVID hit and everything was locked down. And I had kind of made my setup as, 
you know, half being from sponsors, half being from money that I could win from races. Mm. So like taking away that half part of what I actually was expected to earn during the year, you know, you don't want to set yourself in a position where you have to earn money or else you cannot pay your rent. But I was kind of setting myself in the position. I have my sponsors that can cover like my basics, but I still need, you know, the money from the races to just be able to have not a life where I live like a, a poor student, you know, that can only eat oatmeal every day because I can't afford anything else, you know. Um, also because the traveling is expensive and there's a lot of, you know, expenses uh, regarding to races and race tickets and traveling, renting cars and figuring all that stuff out also. So I went full time in 2020. It was three months. Then I dragged it for three months more to try, you know, maybe it's just a short thing. Maybe the yeah. virus will be gone <laughs> in a little bit, but it wasn't. So after half a year, I kind of went back to my old job. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I didn't work 70% of a full-time position. I kind of got hired as a consultant mm-hmm. and then I've worked around 20 to 25 hours a week um, since that. And then I had like a little break where it didn't work. And then I've had a little, so like I do work, but it's not. And now I'm pushing it down to 15 hours a week. So Mm -hmm. starting from when I came back from US, I've kind of, you know, discussed with them because before that it was these 20, 25 hours. And now we kind of agreed, okay, we're going to push it down a bit further to 15 hours a week. So it's almost pro, I would say, but it's still, I still need just that little bit of stable money that I'm sure. <laughs> oh, I understand in. that entirely. And you do yes. have good sponsors as well, don't you? You have very I you do. Have big name sponsors. So you you know, you've you've done well in that sense. Exactly. But, still... but that is it also takes time, you know, to build up good relationships with sponsors and you always start one place with a sponsor and then you kind of, you know, have to prove your worth, if you can say that, yeah. uh, within years or so. But it helped a lot when I got the Red Bull sponsorship in 18. That was also kind of after 19. Um, so I got it in the end of 18. So 19 was my first year with Red Bull. And they kind of also gave me the possibility. That's also why I wanted to go full time in, mm. in 2020, because I actually now had the amount of sponsors uh, together with my other sponsors, such as Garmin and Virus now that are giving me, you know, something like I actually financially support um, that can help me. And then I have uh, Innovate, for example, which is super cool. So they talk to me about specific events. For example, I talked to them about my US trip and then they said, oh, well, we'll cover, you know, a part of that trip to make it better for you. So they actually did that for this trip for both me and Leon. so, um, so that's something you're, you're really grateful for, but it's still, you know, you get covered some of your trip, but not all of it. And then there's money, but you also, you also, you know, have housing at home that, you know, have to yep. pay money for and you have different, uh, expenses and all these things. And, um, uh, yeah, a little bit of loans to pay off. So there's like all these <laughs> different <laughs> things that you also have to think about in general. Yes. And, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm living, uh, uh, with, with my husband now and we're not living like super fancy, huge, mm-hmm. uh, house or anything. We're kind of renting an apartment that my mom's husband is owning. Um, so we can kind of keep our expenses a little bit down because it's still, you know, but you can, I can definitely make, you know, uh, 
I'm just happy that I can make a living of it still working only these maybe 15 hours a week yeah. that I'm doing now. So I'm really grateful for that. You need to have that. the time to be able to train, I guess. You can't work yes. full time and then have, no. you know, no. the strength and the time to train. Mm. Yes. A quick question, because um, yeah. not, I've not spoken to any athletes about this. You no. were on the list for the Spartan Pro team, weren't you? Yes, um, I'm assuming because because then we saw a lot about how if you signed up, then sponsors yeah. couldn't exist, etc. I'm assuming you're going to turn yeah. that down because the sponsorship yes. is worth far more. Yeah, yeah, it definitely. And it was a bit sad because, you know, they kind of posted it first at being like that it wouldn't be a problem mm-hmm. that you had sponsors on the side. But because they have such a strong relationship with craft, which both have shoes yes. and have clothing, and I have like innovate for my shoes and I have a virus for my clothing sponsors. And then, you know, I can race all my other races, but just not the Spartan races. I'm like, but that's that that can't work for me no. because I have contracts with all these people. And, you know, I don't even not. I'm probably craft is a really good brand. I don't know it. You know, it's just it's just not. The brand I just know it's a no, no. And it's not the brands I love because I kind of find, you know, things that really works well for me mm. um, because then it makes me comfortable, you know, to be sponsored by them because it's things that I would use anyway. Yeah. So um, it's, it's just, that's I really guess. important so, with sponsors that you actually it believe is, in the product. It, it really is. I found that out. It's like s- such a big difference. Maybe in the start back in 15 and 16, where I was kind of starting, I was kind of, oh, somebody wants to, you know, give me something, you know. <laughs> wow. was so, so, you know. Grateful, not that I'm still really grateful for our sponsors, of course, but it's just you also want something that you really like yourself. So, you know, and I was already racing in my Innovate shoots back in 15, you know, mm. and I was always, oh, so some of these things, I'm, that's where I feel really privileged with my sponsors because it's actually something that you would probably buy if you choose to buy even if, 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 but don't tell them that because then they're just gonna give me less money because yeah that's the only thing yeah so um yeah so that's that that's cool but no i did not sign i was offered tier three which was basically getting your race ticket covered and i mean i like that to do the program pro program and for the people that are with craft and all these things i think it works perfectly but i feel bad for a guy for example like vj who's a good friend of mine and you know he has a lot of really mm. good sponsors and he's offered a tier one and you know it's you know a good amount of money but then because of these small things written down Limits, you know yeah. i feel like he should because he deserves to have a tier one sponsorship but it's just not yeah. possible uh with the agreements that he has so uh, uh, kind of a lot of people have turned down the, yeah. but I mean at least they're doing something good for some specific yeah, people it, it'll, so, it'll work I mean, for some people there are some athletes exactly. that it will work for but exactly. I, mean, I'm, I'm, I, I, I adore yeah. Spartan and yeah. worlds love you know we, we work with every yeah. race and I'm never going to criticise anyone but no. I must say I was very surprised to see you in tier 3 <laughs> I was a little <laughs> like yeah but i mean (laughs) i know but i mean i wasn't really that um upset about it because to be honest spartan the last recent year haven't been my main focus um Mm. so i've done a few spartans but not that many so you know but in general your racing is getting better and better if you're gonna pay attention we know that you're rising yes but that's also why i kind of wanted to come to us this year and also like not prove my worth but also because it's kind of if you haven't raced the americans then they maybe 
or if like you haven't been at some of the big events, they might not have not you. seen, you know, how, how you've done and those things. So I'm, I, I am actually also considering doing the North American championships mm-hmm. because that is at a good date this year and not at a bad date. So <laughs> that's a <laughs> hint, hint to last year, but you know, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I think that could be, be quite interesting. Um, so. Yeah, and it's also in Canada. You know, I like Canada. I love Canada. It's really nice, and I've never been to British Columbia. I've never been to British. So far away, isn't it? It is. It's it's a big journey. It's a big journey. But it's funny because for me, people would be like, "Oh, in Europe, it's such a long journey." I'm like, "It suits me well. I have two weeks. I can definitely go." You know, it's like (laughs) not a problem. That's funny about like European mentality, but I. I don't even have count on how many times I've been in US, but I also lived in US when I was younger, actually. Yes. And I've also lived in Australia when I was younger. So I think because my family has always like grown up with just a lot of traveling and it's never been a problem for my parents. Once you get used to to traveling, you realize the world is tiny and you can, you can get any, I went to Vegas for a weekend. Yeah. That. It doesn't matter. You just go. No. And then you just go yeah. to sleep and, you know. And it's all even great, with huh? the plane tickets, I mean, sometimes pay, taking a plane, and... yeah, to, to New York is not even like that much. It can be like $500 or something like from Denmark. So it's, it's like sometimes you can be, you know, quite lucky finding yeah. some, some good prices so it's more you know and i don't know if we in denmark are a little, little lucky we have the danish passports which kind of you know allows you to go nearly everywhere <laughs> <laughs> so there's also a bit about that because some uh, people spoke to me the other day, what about like visa and you know passport control and all this because that was actually a worry for them i was like oh i actually haven't thought about that i thought it was much more about you know the traveling and you know being in the plane or the airport system but it was also about you know this visa and, and control and things like that but in general in europe they're pretty large i would say yeah. you can you can visit to most places <laughs> yeah they're quite open yeah so um yeah I, i'm all up for traveling I'm, I, the the biggest limit is well money and then time yes but if i could do it exactly I would do it constantly yes it's great that's also the biggest limit for me it's like oh is it economically responsible <laughs> to do this? No, but it's fun. Let's do it. Yes, let's go. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah. I saw you posted on Instagram. You're off to a training camp this weekend. I am. Yes, that's why I'm not going to show you my room right now because it's so messy. It's just like me having things everywhere. It's only one weekend. It's in the western part of uh, Denmark. So we're going to drive, you know, Denmark isn't that big. So for us driving from like uh, the very eastern to the western part takes like three and a half hours. And then you're there, yeah. Ta-da, you know, <laughs> so uh, so we're going to do a little drive here later. And then it's just going to be for the weekend. Um, but there is um, one of uh, also a close friend of mine who has just built this humongous outdoor obstacle course wow. race around his little farm and has like lots of things and then actually uh, my own coach and him they host together some training camps and then we just go there and it's really nice you know social and it's very minimalistic living wise which i don't know why i feel like it's a bit cool you kind of either sleep in tents or like just it's really sleep cool. on small air mattresses and then we're just outside all the time and we train and uh and there's some guys helping with maybe making just like good Danish quality food, so we can have a lot of you know games, and then go out training, and yeah, it's 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 super oh, nice. I'm looking great. forward to it. Yeah, and it's nice, you know, to hang 
out with some of the guys that lives in the other part of Denmark also that also loves, you know, obstacle racing. You also get quite close on these camps because they're always really hard and people kind of suffer at different times, you know, help each other to push through. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's great. And it's an elite camp, this one. So it's so uh, going to be... They have like different oh, oh, yeah, themes. Yeah. So this one's kind of an elite training camp. So it's probably going to be quite mm. hard. <laughs> yeah, a little tough. Yes. A little. Yeah. How Let's long see. have you worked with a coach then? Uh, well, a long time. Since 2017. Okay. Yes. I worked with Thomas, who's my obstacle and strength and conditioning coach. And he's also like, uh, we've worked with parts of mental training together and he kind of, we kind of also do a lot of the race preparation, you know, like the talking about what obstacles and like race strategies and things like that. So mm -hmm. I really like having him. And then besides him, I have one pure running coach, nice. um, who's called Ulf Friberg. He's from Sweden. He coaches a lot of like the Olympic Swedish, wow. very fast girls. He is a, really good running coach and I've worked with different running coach I actually only worked with Ulf since I came back from my injury which was um yeah around May last year I worked a lot I worked with him since that but he's a middle distance coach mm -hmm. so it's really worked for me not to have like a long distance so like really focusing on these three to five k uh running segments and he's also a lot um like entangle in the Swedish OCR community and kind mm -hmm. of hosting, you know, um, some of the Swedish OCR national championships. So he understands the sport, which helps a lot, you know, because sometimes if you have pure running coaches, it's just like no strength training, just running. Yeah. Like, yes, but you know, I kind yeah. of also need <laughs> a little bit of the other things, you know, so, uh, it, yeah, so the setup with those two is really good. So that's also one thing when you've been an, athlete for some time you kind of you know I feel like I have a really good setup around me both sponsor wise but also with my two coaches and then I also have like two treatment places so that helps wow. me out my yeah. sports masseuse and then my osteopath that kind of you know make sure if I have some small things to get it fixed quite fast so that's very ideal but I also it's it took a long time to stay because things like oh you have the ideal setup yes but did you it know it's, it's taken me seven eight years to come here you know yeah. it's like been a lot of work and talking with different uh, clinics and kind of figuring out a, a good way, you know, to establish a connection. And, and also, I also want to feel that I can give them something back before, you know, I want them to, to sponsor me fully. So, mm. um, but I feel like we're at a really good place there with the guys I have around me. So I'm very happy about that. <laughs> yeah. What kind of difference has it made to your performance working with coaches? Uh, it's made a, a very big difference i would say um but it's also i don't have a like elite athlete background i don't have family that's like either been coaches or like been doing stuff i haven't had uh, uh siblings that's been very into training mm -hmm. so i had my family hasn't and in denmark the school system is quite different than for example in u.s and other places we don't have like sports as an integrated part of our school system so that means there's not like a soccer team that you can go to after really? uh is, is after school and then you like go to your high school's soccer team or you do these things so you do have a gym class which you have one time a week maybe for one to two hours where you learn like basic 
gym stuff mm. um but all the like sport activities you do is something your parents have to sign you up for at for example the local city's football club or the local wow. city's gymnastic team or things like that so it's very much you know depending on if your parents kind of sign you up for I, things that surprises yeah. me because it strikes me as a very kind of health focused country i don't know why i mean yeah well, it is, it is, I mean, it is, but I think it's more prone to wear kind of outdoor. So, you know, mm. we bike a lot everywhere. We like to go walks outside. We do a lot of things because yeah, we, we have, <laughs> we have, you know, small houses and we don't have like tons of space here. So we just like, you know, to go outdoor, I think in general is maybe why we seem, and we bike a lot. Like we bike yeah. everywhere. It's like our main, uh, transport there's like some specific streets of denmark where there's just tons more bikes than cars you know holding in the lane sometimes it's like you can't even get over when the light is green because there has to like pass 200 bikes in front of you it's so weird you know i had this uh I had that conversation with Leon a couple of days yeah. ago because I saw he was cycling yeah. and I was like, I'd yeah. love to start cycling to take my daughter to yeah. school and to get to work, but it actually wouldn't be physically possible for me to do that safely no. here. We don't have yeah. that cycling infrastructure, so I have to be in the no. car, um, yeah. which kind of yeah. sucks. So yeah, we yeah. might do sports at school, but we're not, yeah. we don't have that constant physical activity as standard. Some people do it, but not as standard. It's not built into lifestyle seems to work for you so <laughs> yeah that's funny yeah and i would also say of course the reason why we also bike a lot is our infrastructure is extremely mm. set up for biking even small roads has biking lanes like yeah. there's biking lanes everywhere so you can like even send your kids to school at a quite young age biking because yeah. there are even biking paths which are not you know associated to roads just to you know for people for biking so they can go straight to school you know I've so there's the just cycling buses in um the netherlands yeah. and i love yeah. them you see like kids on this it's like a weird like bike bus it's amazing yeah so it's safe, yeah but... so so i think maybe that's why but we don't have that you know set up for sport you know in school in general so that's also why um yeah i didn't really start i know i haven't been like i haven't always been an athlete just kind of some time before you know i started doing sport i've done a lot of like small sports in different yeah. clubs but i didn't really find anything that truly you know uh was passionate for me until i found ocr <laughs> yeah so so, OCR? so so that was actually the point i wanted to make was about my <laughs> coaches that it's been very helpful for me having them because there's so many things i haven't known you know right. like just things about basic strength training with my coach is like i can't do these obstacles as a race i keep on failing it's like yes because you have no strength in your triceps and your bicep like you can't do all these things you have to build like basic strength or dish you have to bring build some grip strength you have to do all these different things so you know um so he's helped me a lot and then you know we've worked with different running coaches me and thomas uh, during the years but then Finally, uh, when I found a setup with the Swedish running coast, that's kind of where I feel like I find a someone where, you know, now it's mm. it's at a, a very good level. And all the three of us work together and sometimes, you know, do meetings on how it's going with Ida <laughs> and the progression. And he accepts that I need strength training also. So that's great. <laughs> all my other training. Yes. So, um, yes. And I did get into OCR actually due to my coach, Thomas, uh, because we trained together before we had a coach athlete relationship. So we just, uh, trained together in, uh, um, just a, 
regular little fitness center here in Denmark. Mm-hmm. And then we did some social things for together. And one of these things were, for example, to go do an obstacle race. And I remember Thomas calling me on the phone, trying to convince me to go to this obstacle race which I just felt like was the most extreme thing I've ever heard. And he was explaining to me these different obstacles. Yeah, then you have to go and then you have to like jump out from three meters into a little water pit. And then you have to go under this little river and then there's these electrical wires over you and you have to like army crawl through us. And I was scared as like, I was so scared before this race, like more days before it. But then when I actually came there and we did it together, you know, a group of people and we helped each other out. And, you know, I think I was just so surprised of all the things I actually managed to overcome both like fear wise, but also things like, oh, I can actually, you know, do this wall by myself. I can actually, there were so many like small successes. So it was yeah. just really nice. And that was also a lot of things I couldn't do at all. But then I was like, huh, I wonder that rope climb, how, you know, and then, you know, figuring out technique and learning some of these small things just made, made a big difference. But it was, it was mostly for fun in the start. I think I did my first race in 13 with Thomas after he tried to convince me for two weeks. And then that was when he I got my signed up. Really, the Spartan race, the Spartan sprint. Yeah, I loved oh, that's it. That's funny. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it's funny. It is that kind of, I think that's kind of a uni- uh, a universal thing with OCR. It's the small successes on the way you surprise yourself, yes. and then the goals. Yeah. and that, that's why people kind of love it, no matter what level they're at. And then it's it's also just fun to train for because there's a lot of different things you can work on. You know, there's lots of like it's not like oh now I run. That's also, of course, important. Your running time, maybe it's a bad example, but like now I can bench press 10 kilos more. It's like now I can actually like do this really complicated rig obstacle that I've never, I don't know why. It's just like some, it just seems like it's just really cool. Like these mm. things that are like, I could do a flying monkey, you know, it's like <laughs> a very specific obstacle where you kind of release the bar and you know, you attach to the next one. Like the Lachey is what yeah. uh, most people do it, but it's just, and like training for some of these things. And there's also this aspect of it just being like really fun, a bit like back to being yeah. a kid again sometimes. When you train it and these things. Like I've been very biased now. Every time I run by a playground, I'm always like, ooh, do they have like a monkey bar? Ooh, do they have these different <laughs> things? Like start stopping up and looking. And like, uh, so, so because I sometimes I use those for like doing yeah. small things. It's just about being creative if you don't have the obstacles there to just figure out small things that you can use to either practice like an over under or like all these uh, fun things. So, um, yeah, so that is, I like the fun of it. And of course, all these small successes you get on the way. And yeah. then I've also, before I became very professional about it and had to work on my running all the time that I do now, because that's kind of my <laughs> biggest improvement potential right now. Uh, it was also like, if I had periods where I didn't really want to run that much, but then I just worked a lot of my grip and mm. either did more bouldering or then I worked a bit more on my strength. So I could kind of flex my training around to also yeah. suit, you know, if it, it was it a bit fun. like, it keeps it fun. Yeah. And I could kind of, you know, mix it up and there was a lot of different things you can work on and just like being strong with your own body weight, mm. I feel is, is very like just a natural feeling. You don't have to lift something that's like way out of, what you will feel, feel is uh, possible to do for your body, but just being able like to pull yourself up and over a bar or doing some of these things just, uh, yeah, I feel like that's uh, quite cool. Uh, 
yeah it is really cool to do with your body and where i can do like muscle ups literally i dream that i can do them and this is like oh this is so and it's i i can't can't even do no it's terrible uh but like the feeling in my dream of how amazing it is like imagine if that was real life it would be great like it's just it's weird to say it's a great feeling of power but it's it's that mastery yeah. of your own body is exactly that's like just pure body control it's just like very um it's just really amazing i love that <laughs> i love doing pull-ups it's my favorite exercise once i learned it which i will say because people are like oh you know you've always been able to do pull-ups no and it took me over a year to learn to do my first pull-up really over one year i, I had practice and practice and practice Yes, consistency, consistency, practice, practice. People aren't naturally. I mean, no. Of course, there are people who are naturally uh, skilled at sports or strength, but Mm. everyone Mm. started somewhere. Everyone started somewhere. Of course, there is something with like genetics, or if you've always been like active in your life due to your family setup or what. So, of course, there's something about that. But when I started. In 2010, after have been, you know, uh, I've been a guide for some years. I don't know if people know what you do when you're a guide, but you do drink a lot of alcohol, I will say, and maybe don't (laughs) always eat too healthy food. (laughs) And then after that, you know, I had high school and then I was a guide for two years. And then um, I came back and I started university. And, you know, when you start on a new Mm -hmm. university, getting to know people on these things, also a lot of alcohol involved and I was just like I couldn't do anything so after half a year I was like okay this is over I have to like do something because this is like I I was I could I didn't really want to do fitness for that time I've always been pretty active but I had these like two and a half years where I really didn't do anything that maybe run once every second week or something like that really like not a lot of fitness training at all and then I started in this little training center which was actually where I met my coach which is my coach today uh, but I could do maybe five to seven push-ups on my knees you know that was like wow. where we were at I could not do like one single like regular push-up and I also weighed maybe 15 17 kilos more than I do now um so I mean you know not that it's uh but and I also because I was still twenty one or two and you yeah. know now now I look at VJ or somebody that's just been an athlete since he was like <laughs> twelve years old or something and I was like wow and it, even you know and it took that's also why for me it's been a long process to accept me being you know actually a professional athlete because I haven't had that really hardcore elite athlete youth and I also feel like well do I deserve to be good at something now when I haven't been like something I've been working for and been dedicated for my whole life you know and so I feel like there's a lot of these different mental aspects of struggle of struggle instead of just accepting that I finally found something that I was just really you know grateful for and so passionate about and I just wanted to use you know all my time on Mm -hmm. um but and then you know it's just been taking up more and more of my time and I've been gotten better and better and I also surrounded myself I've really tried to get as good at professional setup as possible really you know using coaches and being really open for just like inputs and searching online and like being very knowledge uh wanting to learn a lot I don't even know what you say that word when not not that I am knowledgeable but wanting to be more knowledgeable become more knowledgeable about 
yeah, just the sport and training in general and like and diet and and all these, you know, different things. Um, yeah, so it's uh, so it was kind of, you know, the curve like got steep quite yeah. fast for me. So that's also a thing mentally, you know, adapting to just and I feel first it was about maybe 17 or 18 when I had worked with Thomas for some time that we really, you know, have to accept, okay, now we're we're doing this professional athlete life now we're really you know understanding it you know that this is what we do and it's okay to to say that this is what you want to use your time on and then just started like one year at a time you know just okay now i'm just gonna work a little more and use a little more time so it's kind of a progressional thing mm. becoming more and more um full-time on the sport so um Yes. And then I'm very dedicated when I do things. I will say. Yes, I will say. I'm very <laughs> That's dedicated. That's kind of the most important thing, yes. isn't it? Yes, you've got it to, is. You've got to put the time in. Exactly. I've I've been very dedicated. I've, um, But I, yeah, it hasn't seemed like a sacrifice. There's, of course, been a lot with the social things, which is maybe the hardest part because you don't have as much time to see people because you're so tired after mm-hmm. your training or you have to, you know, recover and not uh, do a lot of things like that so that's maybe been the hardest thing but it's also been something I really have enjoyed like yeah. enjoyed to see the progress enjoyed to working with my coach enjoyed to having that element of travel more as a part of my life mm-hmm. which I didn't do that much before but now you know traveling with races and these things well you yeah. can you can see and you can hear in your voice the pleasure when you're talking about it like this this none yes. of this sounds like a sacrifice like yes no some parts of your life will change yeah. some you might not have some things that other people have but you've got an awful lot and and you can hear that it's you know important and enjoyable to you so yeah that it yeah. says it and all. i hope i can do it for uh, some time more you know so yeah <laughs> it would be really exactly. interesting to see your yeah. progression from you know when you were t- if you had pictures or videos from that kind yeah. of early days to where you are now because i think it is really hard for normal people normal people Mm. (laughs) um who are be cautious with that word (laughs) i did do people won't see the quotation marks i'm a normal person do you know what i mean like i'm just a regular human and in my head i i would never be able to do certain things so i don't know there's an idea like i think i said this before that if you're a pro athlete, you've always been a pro athlete. And if mm. I'm not, then I never will be. But actually, mm. if you have the ability and the time to you know, mm. put the work in, there are a lot of things you mm. can achieve. Not saying people can, you know, we can all be no. pro athletes, but we can achieve a lot if we do. So I'm just, it would be really interesting to see that journey of, mm. hey, look where I started and exactly. look where I am now. With the, and with it's the funny because it was actually a mental thing for me in the start because I was actually a little embarrassed you know it sounds wrong because I'm like oh it's it's embarrassing that you know uh I haven't always been an athlete and I haven't always like I felt like my dedication was Mm. of course important but it was like compared to some of my other friends when athletes who's like fighting for it their whole life I'm like why do I deserve you know to have this possibility you know it was kind of a weird mental state that I really had to work with but then I've also talked a bit about this has also become a little bit a part of my brand like this I call like dream upstream so even though you have like a lot of things talking against you doing something then actually allowing yourself to dream things 
like actually saying out loud, I really want to win the world, OCR World Championships. I really want to do these things. You know, I want to allow myself to go there and see like how far I can go with these things. And then, of course, you have to sit down, make a little like project plan or like, okay, what am I willing to sacrifice? How how is it I want things to look and what kind of help do I need? You know, to get here and and because there is a lot of sacrifice, but there's yeah. also a lot of you know uh, good things um that comes with it so there's also a lot of other things that then becomes a really good experience so um yeah so it's uh but i actually posted a picture some time ago which was the first time i was like you know now i'm just gonna put it out there and i think it's my most liked picture in like all my time on instagram which was this from 16 to now kind of you know difference Um, and there was a lot of people that was like, I'm actually really grateful that you're sharing this to see, you know, the different. And I was so afraid that people, you know, would judge me in a bad way, but I actually felt that, you know, being able to say to people, it's never too late, never too late yes. to have a dream to do something specific. It can be anything you're passionate about. If it's like growing a plant or like baking, like, or like, I know it's just something that you really like. So why not? Like you have one Go life, not to sound like very philosophical, but it's like you have one like life and I have a lot of time where I have to be on the regular job market. Mm-hmm. It's like me taking out three to four years to doing this mm-hmm. and then. I know now that maybe financially it would be better if I worked at my engineering job because then I could earn a lot of more money than I do now. It's not all but about you that. know, it's not all about that. And I, you know, I've just adjusted, you know, to being a bit more minimalistic about some things. You know, I don't need new clothes all the time because I just wear my sports clothes all the time. <laughs> so you know, that's a, that's the a thing they do it's say. Gone. But I mean, yeah. So um, <laughs> yeah, just. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think it's really important to say that because there's a big difference in the two schools of thought in encouraging people. There's the whole, mm. what's your excuse? Everyone's got time. If you want to do it, do it, which is kind of yeah. a bit aggressive and judgy. And it really yes. turns people and it makes me go, well, actually, no, I don't have the time. But then mm. there's more the way you're saying it, which is go for it. Try it. Live your life. If you want to yeah. do something, it doesn't matter if you do, you know, it. <laughs> I mean, put it this way: we were scheduled to speak the other day, and we mm. ended up rearranging because you were training, yeah. and you do, and I ended up going to train. I was like, "Damn it, she's going to go train. I'll go train yes. instead of That's us speaking." So and I was there, yeah. like, "This feels really good. I'm happy about this." And I wanted to tell you because I was like, "You've inspired me to go and actually move," which is a big difference from shaming people for not moving. Yes, for sure. Or like you say. Um, pursuing a, a creative hobby or growing plants yeah. or something, just something. If you've got a spark for it, if it enlivens mm. you, go mm. for it. And it's, and it's, it's also, a nice message. Yeah, and it's also, I think, what I also found with OCR is just you don't have to, like, from one day... I didn't from one day to the other just wake up and be, oh, now I want to be a professional athlete within OCR. It was more like, okay, I really like this thing. I really like these races. It's fun. I like to train for it. It actually makes me happy, you know, to do this form for training. It's also been something very social for me. And I am a very social person. For So for me, figuring out, oh, okay, I actually can meet all these cool people that I maybe wouldn't usually have engaged with, if not because we're like different careers, different backgrounds, yes. all these things. But we just had this common thing, just loving being outdoor and and and, and doing these obstacle uh, races. For example, like the training weekend I'm going at, but just 
integrating small parts. I also did it like just a little bit at the time, but also just allowing it to be a part and figuring out where you have time to put it in and just doing something that just makes you happy as a yes. part of your life. And then for me, it's just been obstacle racing. And that's also, <laughs> even though I've always, oh, people always like, what do you want to do with it? You know, it's like, I've always been, I want to win the world championship. And of course, that's a goal of mine. But no matter what happens, like on the longer journey, I've just been really like happy about all the experience mm-hmm. I've gotten with having this athlete life. And like all, like every race is unique for me yeah. because it's always an experience, you know, talk to different people hearing about their race experience, visiting places that I'll probably wouldn't have <laughs> visited yeah. in my life. Um, anyway, all these small cute towns, you know, you get to go to and see. <laughs> oh, and, uh, I, I've done so much travel from OCR, even just around the yeah. UK. And for me, yeah. you know, I, I, I love doing races, but I'm never going to be a, a, a an athlete athlete I just don't have no. it in me to put that kind of work in but no. it's helped me in other areas of my life I mm. the media side I've got into that and it's mm. I've learned how to do things like podcasting for exactly. example and yeah. I do have to keep my fitness up because if I am going to be mm. at a race I need to be mm. able to run around so it encourages exactly. me to stay fit even if it's mm. not like there are so many things and then the people the people that yeah. I've met have most of my friends are from OCR and they're wonderful people that I never mm. would have had a chance to get to meet. So I, exactly. yeah, it's just, I think it's brilliant. So, yeah. So it's just, yeah. So it's just uh, doing some, and also like when you have something you're passionate about, it's always, you know, meeting other people that has that same, same passion. passion. It's also kind of, you know, you kind of feed up each other with like, Oh man, I also yeah. love this so much. It's like <laughs> so cool. You know, for example, also the end, as you talk about, is one of my same friends, like we can be super annoying when we're together because we just <laughs> hype so much about OCR and there are all these small things and you know sometimes we're talking about it's like oh did you see like this and that post from that other person it's so cool or see this new obstacle I'm like ah oh, you know so it's just uh it's cool to have those uh, ways also to share with mm. people um you know uh that passion and you will find that no matter what niche you know you end in <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> you know so uh yeah so one last question and then I'll let you go off yes. your weekend of course you said yeah. Your your big goal is to win the world championships. Yes. What are your What's your goal for the OCR World Championships this year? Yes. Uh, so my goal is to win the free K <laughs> because okay. it's been my goal to win the free K for four years now. <laughs> but it's still my goal. I've gotten you know I was second in nineteen and second in twenty one and twenty twenty it wasn't there. I was fifth in eighteen. I think fifth or sixth. Um, I just really love the shorter, intense forms of obstacle racing. I do like the long draining races, but I just really like this, um, like a little taking chances, you know, you know, you're pulled so high, but you're still, you know, throwing yourself into the obstacles and everything just goes so fast. And often you also see a lot of switching places in the mm-hmm. shorter races. One of the, my favorite races I've ever done was the OCR World Championships in 2019, the free K course, because it was me, it was Rebecca Hammond, it was Lindsay Webster, and it was Nicole. And we were like changing places throughout the whole race. It was so exciting. You but know, it's I, such a fast race. It's like... so fast. It's so like one little error can, you know, I don't know. Yes. I just like, I feel like the adrenaline about that race is just crazy. I love it. Yes. Yeah. So, so, uh, my, my goal is to win the OCR World Championships for the free K. <laughs> so, um, I will say that. And then, I mean, I always really want to 
be on the podium um, just in either of the races. But uh, I think for the 15K, I always kind of, you know, see where it goes. You know, I I always, of course, do do my best. But it's also, there's so much uh, like um, adrenaline and pressure and like just race, um um, it, not anxiety is definitely the wrong word, but just, you know, you can get a bit nervous about these races. And, you know, after doing 3K, because that also is my main goal, it's like I kind of, you know, calm down a little. And then yes. often, you know, I actually really enjoy the 15K because it's still hard because you've just been racing the day before. But I also love like the longer journey of just like there are often a lot of obstacles on the 15K. You kind of get through it all. Yeah. So uh, I would love to be on the podium for that one. But I also know there are a lot of really, really strong women coming this year and we're going to see like the whole field there. So uh, um, even at, even top five or 10 would also be something I would really, you know, uh, I mean, you looked really strong on the 15K last year, watching you. And there was a moment, I can't remember where it was. Was it possibly when you overtook someone? And I was just like, her legs are not tired. She's just going, you're just still going. And it was really nice to watch. Like, you had it in you. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I always, like, my coach Thomas is always like, you you don't know how good you are to the fifteen k because I always because I always see myself as the more shorter distance runner, but it's also because a lot of the races I've done in Denmark and in Europe has been like the shorter races. But uh, but I've then I've still just done really good because I also think I'm so obstacle efficient and proficient so mm. i can just keep on going on the obstacles i kind of don't get tired like you can yes. for example at london you can throw like 80 obstacles and even you know <laughs> I, I like i almost did all of them in first try i think sketch was the only one i had to redo a couple of times because it was really muddy but i just like i really just uh, have this good like stable pace just so i often catch people from behind yes. at the 15k so it's kind of you know if everybody has a clean race then you're probably not going to see me at the top but if people have to retry things once or twice you know i'm right there breathing them in their neck and being like hello <laughs> well, that's why I, 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 yeah. i've said this a lot i think the women's racing is much more exciting to watch because you do have yeah. a lot of that overtaking and changing yeah men's last year was good it was interesting mm. um, yeah. but the women's tends to be the more interesting event exactly um, because the competition yeah. so. is so fierce so. yes yeah, so I'm I'm super excited for this year and I'm also I really just hope for everybody everybody to be there. Like I also hope yes. like any is gonna be okay with her of course she's like gonna be uh ready and like also a lot of the European I'm hoping maybe to see Karen, you know, you never know. We have the good Fingers Danish crossed. girls maybe catch us also, you know, considering, mm-hmm. you know, uh coming back. She's also <laughs> had a baby not that long time ago, but she's looking super strong and like Lisa and and maybe even some of, you know, the Czechs. They don't like the really obstacle <laughs> dense courses, you know, Esther and Susanna and them. But, you know, it could be cool, you know, to see them at some of the races because they're also amazing athletes and, yeah. you know, they could uh, kill on that uh, 15K course for sure, especially when there's more climbing. They love that. I'd, lo- so. I'd love to see a, a, a great European representation yeah. over there. This exactly. Year. I'd really like Yeah. That. We'll make sure. We'll bring everybody do yes take encourage them in my suitcase <laughs> yeah for sure for sure so uh yeah but i'm super excited i'm really excited about it so yeah. uh yes and uh people should remember to drain some uphill 
<laughs> that is my advice. We're not gonna c- come around it, or would you say there is? It's um, it's, it's going to be in the mountains. There is some climbing there. Mountains. There is exactly yeah. expect mountains. I'm yeah. not looking forward to getting up those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but but it's it's going to be great. It is. It's it's such a cool event site. It's really good. Like oh, I really wonderful. like it. There. The atmosphere. Yeah. I'm so looking forward to going to. Vermont. Oh. Like, it's such a beautiful place. I've never been. I've always been so envious when I've seen the events. And I love the kind of event village atmosphere with the, yes. the way it was in Canada. I'm, I'm yeah. assuming it's going to be a kind yeah. of similar thing. It's just so wonderful. Yeah. I'm so excited. It's going to be such a high point after a couple of rubbish mm. years. And I also want to give uh, Adrian a big applause for the amazing fireworks show that was last <laughs> year and the after party. It was actually like a really just cool way to like just be a little bit social, you know, after the race and after all this, um, just haven't seen races, but just doing, you know, also because the social thing is just also something, you know, that we, it. it's just a, such a big part of it. And it was just a really nice, you know, finish after a hard weekend, you know, to just, you know, stand together and watch the fireworks and people just, you know, relaxing and just being proud of their accomplishments, you know, yeah. and either though, either one way, you know, it's went for, the different uh, athletes out there you just like you just be people are just proud of their accomplishments yes. you know when they're done no matter what you know you can really feel that vibe and atmosphere you know at the after race and it's cool to not, just not you know go straight home but actually just <laughs> hang out a bit afterward I love I love that that was so cool amazing oh, I can't wait I cannot wait no I can't either <laughs> let it let it be September now please oh no I have to I have <laughs> to be able to, to do. yes I have to be able to run in mountains a bit more so maybe it's fine that we have a little bit of time for that yes yeah I need, I need to get my yes. little legs moving <laughs> I'm gonna enjoy the up uh, the treadmill yeah to say i'm going to enjoy the the treadmill that's how we train uphill in denmark you just stand on the treadmill i'm currently just on the stairs i'm not running i'm just walking on the stairs. that's also a good one even stairmaster that also works yeah and eventually i will start running but yeah i'm not i don't have strong little legs like you guys but (laughs) oh well let's see let's see (laughs) yeah now you've been training the other day, so now I, so so what you're telling me is I just have to text you every time I'm training, and then you will train also. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Then you'll be in great shape. Just wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that. I wish. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was so great talking to you. It was lovely and... to catch up with you too. I have yes. an amazing weekend at your training camp. I can't wait to see that online. Thank you. And uh, thank good you. luck with the mountain training. I can't wait yes. To see you thank you. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna train for it. Don't you worry. <laughs> oh, I've I've got every faith in you. You are. I'm not sure. Oh, we did a I did I did a podcast episode with Jack Barr and Fabian Yo about who we're looking Ooh. forward to seeing this year. And yeah. my top picks were VJ and you. So I'm looking forward to seeing oh, how you're gonna do this year. That's so, so sweet. I'm gonna go I'm, right I've had in my now. Eye on you for I, a while. I ha- we have three and a half hours drive, so I'm going to decide what we're going to listen to, and then I'm going to put on that podcast and make everybody <laughs> listen to it with us. <laughs> I think that would be you a should. good idea. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, good luck with everything. And, and I can't wait thank to see you in September. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking thank forward you. to it. Thanks. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye.